The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. This evening I'd like to do a, an exercise with you uh, that will require, and since there's uh, quite a number of you, I think I want to do this exercise in small groups. And having said that, I realize that will probably cause some feeling of panic or discomfort or unhappiness. <laughs> but hopefully when I describe the exercise, it'll seem a little bit easier. So the exercise is around, um, there's actually several parts to the exercise in terms of what I hope it will um, point to. And we'll, we'll do it around eating. So it will help you to get familiar with what it means to be mindful while eating. So that's a part of it. And uh, another part of the exercise is going to be reporting. So what we're going to do in the groups is we're going to each take some of the... I've got these little trail mixes over here of um, raisins, cashews, and almonds. And if any of you are allergic to any part of that, let me know and we'll get you some without some part of that. Um, And we'll each take some time to eat the first we'll, we'll do the, we'll, it'll, there'll actually be two two parts to the exercise so the first part will be that we each take some of the trail mix and eat it and focus the attention on the taste just see if you can uh, bring your attention right into your taste buds and notice the taste experience and then we'll be in groups of about, let's see, five maybe. One, two, three, four, five, six. Four or five. Be groups of four or five. And then after everybody's had a chance to mindfully eat and taste the food, I'd like you to each report to the others in your group what you noticed. And then uh, we'll do a second exercise, which I'll describe once you finish the first part. And to, um, to, to give you a sense of this, since, since we're not going to be able to do this in the large group, I thought I would begin by demonstrating <laughs> what I mean. The first experience was immediate saltiness. And that was the overwhelming or predominant taste experience for quite a while. I also did notice some dryness in the mouth that seemed to diminish the, or or to have the taste not be quite so strong. 
And then as the raisins, there's raisins and cashews. I didn't have any almonds in my little batch, so I missed out on the almonds. But um, the um, when the raisins got chewed to a certain point, there was a real strong sense of sweetness that uh, suffused across the tongue and then intensified. And at this point, there's still flavor in my mouth. There was, um, it's a little bit of like tanginess around the edges of my tongue. And I think that's about it. So very simple, just reporting the direct experience, not what you were thinking about. See if you can focus on the taste. So I've got five bowls here, so we can get into five small groups. I think four to five in a group, and we'll... um, so everyone can, um, in, the, in the beginning, get, let everybody get a, a little bit of um, the trail mix. And I'd like the, you know, the reports, I, I think to, in order to make this not take forever, everybody should eat at the same time and then just report uh, what you remember from your experience. Focusing on the taste. And wait wait until everyone has finished their process of chewing before you begin the reporting. I think I think just one round is good. So. We'll need we'll have seconds in a minute. So is everybody has everybody finished the chewing? Anybody not yet finished the chewing? Okay, so one at a time in each group. Um, go ahead and um, report, and I will come around and listen in a little bit, and also we'll ask a couple of you to. No, I can't ask you to speak into the microphone. Oh well, we'll just. Well, no, the, it would it would disrupt the other people from what they're doing. So. <laughs> okay, so everybody's done. And let's come back into silence for a minute. Is there enough? Uh, trail mix left in everybody's bowl for everybody to have seconds, or do we need to add more? You know? <laughs> you might need to ration there. Uh, if you, do you think you have enough, or do we need to add more? Okay, so the instructions for the second part, different instructions. 
I want you to just eat normally and notice whatever you notice. It may be, it may be that there are thoughts, there may be other body sensations than tasting, there may be hearing, whatever you notice. Just eat normally and notice what happens to you. That's, um, is everybody done with the second round? Okay. So go ahead and report again. Go around and report again what you noticed in this, in this exercise. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to go back to, yeah. Um, Yeah, you could put them down. So I got to hear a little bit as I was walking around, but I would like to actually have have there be a kind of a sharing in the group a little bit for a few minutes of anything in particular uh, you might have noticed. I'm particularly interested in the difference between the first and the second ones. You know, anything you noticed about the difference between the first and the second Less taste, less filling. Less taste, less filling? (laughs) (laughs) Appreciably less taste in the second go-round because your mind was busy with other things. Mm -hmm. I found that there was more reactivity the second time. I made more choices and liked and disliked with the first time I hadn't. Mm-hmm. And um, I moved the food around faster <laughs> the second time. It, was not, it wasn't intentional. I just noticed it was just sort of there was more uh-huh. activity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you... Um, oh, let's have some more sharing, but first then I'll, then I'll start asking questions. So. I'm, I'm asking for a contrast. What, what did you notice in terms of a difference between the two? I noticed that I ate more quickly the second time and didn't chew quite as carefully. <laughs> Uh, I noticed the second time I was very fast and mindless, and I enjoyed it more. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone else willing to? I felt a little less self-conscious about chewing and making, like, noises. Maybe I just didn't notice that the second time around. Um... Yeah. So the first time, the first time around, you felt self-conscious. The I, second time, you yes, I was because I uh-huh. just, was, yeah, uh-huh. and yeah, the first time was tastier, I think. Uh-huh. The first time there was more flavor. Yes, or I noticed. More you taste. noticed more flavor. Mm-hmm. So the first time I was more tuned to taste, and the second time the texture came out more. Mm, okay, so and so I there was noticed less the taste. Uh huh. So there was more the sense of the the um, different um, the the feeling of the food as opposed to the taste of the food. Yeah, and I yeah. just threw it all in at the same time. <laughs> <laughs>
usual, I disobeyed you. <laughs> but the second time, I really realized it was very lovely eating them slow. Well, I didn't want to eat it fast. Well, that's okay. <laughs> just like one by one. Mm-hmm. But did you did you stay focused on the taste, or did you allow there to be a little more of the? She said her mind was far away worrying about whether where she was going to find a house or appointment uh-huh. apartment. Or <laughs> no, I was excited. <laughs> oh, sorry, that word. Okay. I didn't do both of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> Anyone else, Tracy? The, the first time felt like an experience where I was lacking words to describe the depth of, of what it was. And then the second time just felt very um, mechanical. And I didn't even really think about taste. I was just aware I was eating a raisin and an almond together. Uh-huh, so okay. It was very more physical. Okay, uh-huh. So um, partly I wanted to, in this exercise, I wanted to point to a couple of things. One is... Um, about the reporting itself, did, did you find the reporting interesting? Did you find listening to other people's descriptions interesting? Did you find it to be helpful in terms of clarifying your own experience? So this is, this is part of the power of reporting. Go ahead, Mike, what was your... I noticed that in our group, we'd go around and each person would say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah whatever, and then, okay, that's it. And we go to the next person, and we got to the end, all the way around, and then people say, oh, yeah, you know, I also noticed this other thing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Partly because of having heard? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think that happens, that as people describe, especially if somebody is quite good at, has the talent for reporting, if somebody has that talent for reporting, then other people will actually learn how to, uh, they'll get more interested in the details of the experience. So it's a, it's a powerful tool to use. Did you have something, Pega? Yeah, send the mic back to Pega. Um, I felt um, a unitedness with people. I felt a common ground mm, uh-huh. uh, throughout some of the reporting. Oh, I'm not the only one she felt, you know, what I'm feeling. Yeah, yeah. And that kind of was nice. It kind of broke the distance a little bit. Mm, That's lovely. So it it showed kind of a um, kind of common human experience of eating (laughs) (laughs) and perhaps some sense of embarrassment or reactivity or... um, And there does seem to be a, a common theme around um, being embarrassed around making noise when chewing. (laughs) If you felt that, you were not alone. (laughs) Um, So that was a piece of it, was was looking at uh, the reporting side of it, to, to start to explore what it means to describe your experience. The second piece I wanted to point to is the different ways that we can be mindful. So one way we can be mindful is to kind of turn our attention to something, focus on something, like we did with the taste. That tends to make that experience stronger, 
um, and brings it more into uh, relief. You, know, you, you tend to be able to kind of uh, really get into the, the differences and the changes, the flow of that experience if you focus on something. And then it's also possible to be aware just in a broad way, without focusing. In that kind of experience, you're, you're less likely to have the intensity. So several people mentioned less flavor the second time. Uh, I think several people also mentioned more kinds of other experiences, like hearing would come up or um, you know, thoughts about, oh, how to do things or how to choose things or you know, noticing why you choose things, you know, choosing this over that. Um, noticing eating more quickly, noticing mechanicalness. So just, you know, sort of the more ordinary qualities of eating might get noticed. Now, it, it may not feel quite as intense or as intimate of an experience, but it's also possible, more difficult, as some of you noticed, more difficult to stay present through the whole thing. But it's also possible to be present in a more ordinary way just for the process of eating or walking or serving vegetables on a plate. Whatever it is, you, you can just... It, we don't have to focus our attention in order to be mindful. So I wanted to give you a little bit of the flavor of the more open uh, awareness, the more open sense of being able to be mindful, noticing the taste a little bit, noticing hearing, noticing a thought going through, noticing seeing somebody, noticing all of the different flow of experience. Sometimes when we learn about mindfulness and we get to that focused place, like we, we, we understand that uh, intensity that comes with the experience as we focus on something, as many of you notice the strong taste when focusing on the taste, we think that is mindfulness. We think that in order to be mindful, we have to be focused on something. And so I wanted to point that out as a way we can be mindful, but it is not the only way. It's harder to be mindful in a continuous way without focusing. And I think that's why we, I mean, we, we, um, we gain confidence with mindfulness through focusing, through choosing a place to focus our attention. But then we end up sometimes mistaking mindfulness for needing to be focused. So playing with, in our daily lives particularly, this non-focus awareness. So you might explore this in eating, for, for example. I mean, it's, it's actually a great mindfulness exercise because it's one of the maybe the only experience where all six of our senses are engaged. Because we have the taste of the food, the taste comes in, the texture of the food, not only in our mouths, but in our hands. So the touch sensation is engaged. 
The smell of the food can be engaged. You, you, you might notice a little bit of the smell coming in. Uh, sight. We notice what the food looks like. We notice the things around us. The hearing. We hear ourselves chew. And we notice all of the, the thoughts and the opinions and judgments and views around the food. So everything, seeing, smelling, hearing, tasting, touching, the mind, they're all engaged in eating. So you might in your daily lives for the next three days pick a meal where you can be mindful while eating. And maybe spend the first three bites or so choosing a sense to focus on. Maybe the taste, maybe hearing, noticing how hearing is engaged while eating. Maybe the texture. Just picking, picking something for the first three bites or so, pick a sense to focus on. And then for the rest of the meal, eat more normally. And see if you can notice what happens. One thing you might check into is where do you get caught? Where do you get lost? I mentioned that sometime, maybe a couple days ago, uh, seeing if you can um, notice as you are aware, because you are, you are putting yourself in the place of being aware, choosing to pay attention. See if you can notice when the mind starts to wander off of the present moment. What what hooks you? There may be some trigger. For instance, you might be chewing and then uh, bite into an almond in a particular way that makes your jaw hurt a little bit. And then you think about um, the, uh, the fact that you have to go to the dentist the next week. And then you're off thinking about the dentist. But there's been some physical thing that has happened, that has kind of led to that process. So just, just explore, see if you can explore eating one, one meal a day, just trying that. Is that an example of uh, dependent co-origination, what you just said? Um, so the question was, would, would what I just said, was, was what I just said an example of dependent co-arising? It's it's more um, I mean it's it could be seen in there, but it's more there's another process described that's related, but it's it's a clearer description of a of another process that's described in another sutta, which I'll give you now. It's um, I can't I don't have it memorized, so it's something along the lines of, uh, based on the eye and eye and forms, eye consciousness arises. The meeting of the three is contact. With contact, one feels. So this is, this is the chain of dependent origination. What one feels, that one perceives. So, almond is perceived painful tooth is perceived what 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 is perce- what one perceives that one thinks about start thinking about the painful tooth and the fact that you need to go to the dentist 
What one thinks about, that one mentally proliferates. And then the explosion of thoughts comes in. So in each of those steps, I think there is the dependent origination, but more that that description that I just gave that what one feels that one perceives what one perceives that one thinks about what one thinks about that one mentally proliferates that's really easy to see in our experience well, not really easy it is possible to see that when the mindfulness starts getting more continuous so you can start noticing where you leap off from you perceive something and then you think about it and then you start constructing all kinds of stories about it. Yeah, Pega. What you were just saying about, you said what one feels or perceives they feel, and in order you put it, can it go reverse? So you, you wanted to know, can it start with thought? Right. I mean, I think it can, but I just want to know. Well, I, I mean, so the, the one that I described was starting from sight. What one, you know, you've got sight, then what one sees, that one perceives, etc. It can also start from the mind. It can start from any of the sense doors. So, yeah, I mean, you can start from a thought, and then um, you can end up in that chain of proliferation from the thought. Mind and body are very intimately interconnected. Yes. So we have a few minutes still, and I'd like to see if there's anybody who has anything um, to report about your practice that you've been doing. If there's if there's one or two people who'd like to report on what's been happening in your in your day. Yeah. Can I ask a question? Sure. Uh, so in uh, the task that I do frequently throughout the day, which is sipping water, um, I found myself wondering, realizing that I didn't really know what I was supposed to do when I sipped the water. Okay, yeah, this is, this, this is, um, <laughs> this, it, it seems a little mysterious at first, <laughs> but it's really, really very simple. The, the basic, the basic uh, instruction would just be simply to know that you're drinking the water while you're drinking the water. So in a really, really simple way. And as you, you do that, as you get familiar with it, you can start to explore other things. So you might explore, um, is there tension or relaxation in the body? Um, is there, um, what's the other thing that, Oh, and then then can you begin to notice what it feels like to be aware of drinking the water? So when you remember to be drinking the water, can you kind of get a sense of what being aware is? So that that seems that can seem a little mysterious. At first, at least for me, it was when somebody said, well, what is it, what is it like to be present? It's like, what do they mean? <laughs> I don't know what they mean by that. Um, so part of it is just to stay with the experience. And as you get familiar with that experience, and particularly as you begin to notice when you remember to be mindful, in that moment that you come into remembering, oh, here I am drinking the water or in the moment when you remember 
before you're reaching for the water. What, what, whatever moment it kicks in that you know you're going to be, that you know that you're aware. Can you recognize the feeling of awareness? Can you recognize how it feels to now be present? That you were perhaps lost in thought a, a moment ago and then something kicked in and you now know that you're reaching for the water or drinking the water. Maybe you wake up in the midst of drinking the water. What's the difference in the quality of the mind? So taking an interest in exploring and understanding that. That's, that's a huge piece of what I like to encourage people to, to try to get familiar with on these retreats. Because it is, it's actually pretty obvious once you notice it. It's kind of like, well, how could I have missed this? But it's so ordinary, this being aware. It's so completely ordinary that we, we take it for granted and we don't particularly notice it. We don't particularly think it's important to pay attention to this knowing, this awareness. And it was the amazing insight of the Buddha pointed to that this quality this really ordinary quality of being aware, you should pay attention to that. And when you start to be able to know that, to pay attention to it, it opens the door to really lead us to to begin to understand how we end up in suffering and how we can choose to head a different direction. So I'm offering kind of tools to help people get familiar with that feeling so that we can start to get a little more continuity of the awareness, which will, in our daily lives, the continuity of awareness begins to reveal when we start to react to things, perhaps even before the reaction really comes fully up. We may notice, I'm getting ready to react to something. And in that seeing that, see that, oh, I know what's, what lies that direction. Suffering lies that direction. If I start reacting and getting angry, I'm going to be miserable. And the mind can choose. It's not actually something we do. Um, the mind can choose it when it clearly sees that what it's doing will be causing suffering. It usually lets go of it or it it can let go of it. It, it sometimes it takes a while before <laughs> before the mind really learns its lesson that yeah suffering it does it enough times it realizes yep I do that it's going to be suffering <laughs> so it's a part of it especially the this is the first time you've done this retreat so um, it it can be a little mysterious at first but but patience and just kind of keep just noticing. Whatever is obvious to you, what is most obvious to you about that drinking of water? You don't have to try to figure anything out about it, but just, oh, cool. That's the first thing that I noticed. It could have been wet. It could have been other things as well. But that's what, that's what struck me. That was the first thing that struck me. So... Just notice what you notice. Notice what's obvious. 
So there's no need to really dig or um, try to figure out what you're noticing. Just whatever immediately strikes you. Does that make sense? Anyone else? Yeah, Victor. Um, one of the things you mentioned for us to look at uh, was intention. And uh, um, I noticed something really obvious, but I didn't, for whatever reason, never registered that one can have a simple intention of picking something up, taking a drink, or having intention of relieving thirst. You do something about that. It's fairly simple. Um, the same amount of quickness of creating an intention or having an intention can be something for something extremely simple, but it's ex- but also something extremely difficult. So you can have an intention of, oh, I think I'll have, I think I'd like to make some dinner. Think of something, and then a whole series of things roll out that need to be done in order to have to complete the simple intention or, or a quick intention of, gee, I think I'd like to. Whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's obvious, but I never sort of differentiated intentions, weight. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, the, yeah, the... the um, I don't know what the, if there's a technical term for that. I mean, the, the intention... Um, that's kind of a, a larger intention, or it's, it's kind of a... almost more of what, what you might call an aspiration or a goal, in a sense. Um in the in the terminology of the, I would disagree. in the terminology of the um, the the term for intention the the kind of technical term for intention that the technical term for it um, chetna is the Pali for that it usually refers to a very instantaneous um, Movement in the mind before a particular action. So, like an urge. An urge, exactly. It's just a very subtle, and it happens. Like there's in in moving my hand like this. There's an intention happening to keep it moving. Intention, 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 intention. Now I didn't feel that, but it is possible to feel that in in like deep retreat. It's possible to see kind of the the very fine intention of just every single movement. It's like oh, seeing how intention unfolds. That it's in a sense you have to keep having an intention to move in order to keep it moving. Um, so the, you know that the 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 technical term for intention refers to that finer thing. Um, so I don't know if there's actually a name for what you point to, but I know exactly what you mean. There's, there's a kind of a larger thing. It's like, okay, I'm going to get out of bed now. And then it's interesting to see, okay, what's the first thing that happens for that to unfold? What I, what I noticed is uh, for the larger goal, if you will, is that it, it's strung together with a series of intentions that are unconscious. Yes, yes. And that it occurred to me that Individuals with brain damage, or possibly Alzheimer's, I really don't know really that disease very well, but uh, where they would like to do something and they have the initial urge, but then they get lost along the way and mm. they don't know what they're doing any mm-hmm. longer. They, mm-hmm. That continuity is lost. Yes. Uh-huh. And when you start to do something um, that has multiple pr- 
processes to it. Something that's ordinary, it's so ingrained that you're able to do, that you just go to, let's say you're going to cook something, you grab, you crack, you whisk, you do whatever, and it's, uh, one could focus, you know, narrow down the focus to now I'm doing this, now I'm doing that, but no, it's just um, the differentiation of doing something known versus something that you don't know how to do the first time. If you ever notice yourself trying to attempt, let's say, a recipe the first time, it's halting, it's not, it's not fluid, it's, right. I don't know. Yeah, and you're pointing to, I think one of the things you're pointing to is the kind of subconsciousness underneath or that a lot of times our intentions are not obvious to us. And that's absolutely true. I mean, we have like, the the larger ones tend to kind of come up out of the the realm of the subconscious and appear like, okay, time to get up. But then we rarely actually notice all the little pieces that it takes to get to get up. And it's an interesting exploration, actually, to begin to look at that. You can slow down your movement a little bit. So, you know, tomorrow morning, getting out of bed. Just see if you can notice, you know, okay, that, that, in, that movement, okay, time to get up. What's the first part of your body that moves? And then what's the second part of your body that moves? And the next part, and the next part, and the next part is like this mechanical robot getting up out of bed and and you know it happens automatically and it's possible also to see those you know one of the things i find in in this practice is that what we think of as subconscious you know it's there's not really a firm boundary there where things below the line cannot be seen and things above the line can be seen. Mindfulness can take that line down amazingly far. And we live our lives with like, you know, buried up to here, not really aware of what's going on and that we are choosing actually to react and respond. That there's, there's actually a choice there when uh, a movement, we, there's, a, there's an image that arises in the mind and then there's anger that arises. That's actually a choice. It doesn't feel like a choice initially because it's in that subconscious level. But it can become, we can become aware of it. So now we need to stop because it's two minutes after nine. So, <laughs> so thank you all.